It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. All right, welcome back, everybody. As you know, all week long, we've been looking back at 9-11, 20 years since that fateful day that we'll never forget. Always people remember they were old enough uh, where they were at this time. Time for me to bring on a man who's been consequential ever since, General David Petraeus, arguably the greatest general of our generation, but still going, not retired, former commander of U.S. and international forces in Afghanistan, uh, and as well as uh, leading the forces in Iraq, uh, especially the surge. General, where were you when the towers were hit when the Pentagon was hit, when Flight 93 went down? Uh, I was actually deployed in Bosnia uh, at that time, Brian. I was the I was a one-star general and the assistant chief of staff of operations for the NATO stabilization force there, and then also had a U.S. hat that was engaged in the war criminal hunt. And that organization subsequently did the first counterterrorism operation uh, after 9-11, actually, it was in Sarajevo. Uh, even before the invasion of Afghanistan. What were the first orders you got as as you, and did you watch like all of us on TV? Well, I was actually waiting for a helicopter to go back to Sarajevo. We were with the Nordpol Brigade, a uh, brigade of Polish and other forces from Northern Europe. Uh, we just happened to be in a, a room that had a TV on as we waited for the helicopter to arrive. And like many others, we thought, wow, what an incredibly terrible mistake that this plane on a clear blue sky day would fly into one of the World Trade uh, Towers. And then, of course, the second plane hit, and we knew that we were in for a really significant change. We got back to Sarajevo, uh, gathered the staff and commander and all the rest of that, and uh, immediately uh, there was a sense of strategic picking time bomb that I think is very important to remember as the context for what happened subsequent to 9-11. There was a sense that this was just the first of what were expected to be many more attacks on the order of 9-11. And so force protection became an intense concern. And then as the intelligence turned on, again, this U.S. hat that I had was part of a special mission unit organization. And as the intelligence turned on, all of a sudden, we realized that there were nonprofits in Bosnia that were facilitating the travel of Pakistanis uh, through Bosnia and into the Schengen zone and a host of other security risks that we had not been aware of and which we had to address in the subsequent months uh, following the 9-11 attacks. Very, very serious moment, uh, needless to say, again, and around the world as America came to grips with what this was and what might be in the future. And I think that was the real concern, was that the sense that there are other plots out there that are also uh, going to be revealed and we need to uncover them. Uh, Part of getting uh, taken down that the original Al-Qaeda was stopping that next attack, which uh, most likely we found out was going to happen. That was September 14th when he stood in that fire engine when he went down, was left to the World Trade Center. This was October 7th, cut 37. On my orders... 
the United States military has begun strikes against al-Qaeda terrorist training camps and military installations of the Taliban regime in Afghanistan. These carefully targeted actions are designed to disrupt the use of Afghanistan as a terrorist base of operations and to attack the military capability of the Taliban regime. And they were effective combined with the Northern Alliance. It will be a matter of weeks before the Taliban fell. What were your observations? Where were you? Well, still in Bosnia. That was a full-year deployment, uh, what turned out to be something like six or seven years of my final uh, 10 or 11 years in uniform. And, you know, it was really quite an extraordinary campaign, as everyone recognizes, that these handful of really exceptional CIA officers and special forces operators could work with the Northern Alliance leaders and topple an entire regime, uh, shatter them with air power, uh, using the Northern Alliance forces to to bring the Taliban to mass. They had to mass to defend the key areas. Uh, and then, of course, we could clobber them with our close air support. And they then ultimately were shattered, retreated into Pakistan, uh, as did uh, most of al-Qaeda, although it took a bit longer. And, of course, we had the operation subsequent to that in Tora Bora, which sadly did not nab uh, Osama bin Laden immediately. Rather, he was able to get away. And, of course, we didn't bring him to justice uh, until the late spring of 2011, when coincidentally I was the commander uh, of the International Security Assistance Force and U.S. forces in Afghanistan. I, I never thought we wanted to be in Afghanistan for a long time. We wanted to make sure it wasn't a, a launching base for al-Qaeda. Nobody wanted to settle and control the country, especially because you all went to school and what happened to the Russians. Uh, they were then the Soviets. But after parrying and, uh, and uh, to the Iraq war, it was time to go back and focus on what Barack Obama says was the good war. And you were tasked to run the surge. Here is December 2009, cut 38. And as commander-in-chief... I have determined that it is in our vital national interest to send an additional 30,000 U.S. troops to Afghanistan. After 18 months, our troops will begin to come home. And it would be yours. It would be original General McChrystal had some turbulence with a Rolling Stone story. They would call on General David Petraeus. The president asked you, go. What happened with that surge, and would you term it a success? Well, we were given certain missions, and we actually accomplished those missions, you know, and it, in the wake of the so-called Afghanistan papers or whatever, which were actually all publicly available uh, IG reports. Uh, if you, I went back and looked at all the statements I made during that time, and, and I, they were quite heavily qualified, and I stand by everything that I said. We were basically tasked to halt the momentum of the Taliban, keep in mind that they were on the march, and they had been ever since they had regrouped in Pakistan some years earlier, uh, then to roll back the Taliban in really critical areas where they threatened Route 1, the critical ring road of Afghanistan, and some other very essential uh, cities, population centers, and, and, and infrastructure locations, to accelerate the development of the Afghan security forces, uh, to establish a transition concept and program so that we could then actually begin the transition of security tasks in select districts under provinces to the Afghan security forces and select Afghan institutions. Uh, and we actually did do all of that in addition to 
ensuring the core mission, which was to make sure that Al Qaeda reestablished yeah. a sanctuary on Afghan soil, uh, which was again that, that and something they tried to do repeatedly, by the way, and have tried to do uh, over the years many times, and to provide a platform for the conduct of the so-called regional counterterrorism campaign, the most public and well-known uh, such operation was the one that brought Osama bin Laden to justice, uh, as I said, in the final few months of my time over there. So again, I think we accomplished all those missions. I think that's beyond uh, really debate. Um, the, what was interesting, though, Brian, is that because we did, first of all, want to keep light footprint in Afghanistan, which I think was wrong, uh, we should have immediately put the right organizational architecture on the ground and started to train the Afghan security forces very early on because we were always shooting behind the target relative to the to the Taliban in Afghanistan. We didn't even get the inputs right in Afghanistan in the late 2010. That, that was about six months into my time as a commander. It was really due to the commitment that the president had made uh, a year or so earlier, the additional forces that you heard announced in his speech at West Point, uh, and General McChrystal got the concepts going. But by inputs, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have the right organizational architecture. That sounds arcane. It's actually very important. We didn't have the right overarching strategy. We didn't have the right uh, level of resources, and not just military resources, but uh, diplomats, development workers, intelligence officers, uh, folks associated with the rule of law, DOJ, DHS, all the rest, um, and, and the right level of money, more the right level of preparation of our forces or the right leaders. And we finally had it by then, but of course we only had it for about six months because as you heard in that speech, which announced the buildup, there was also the announcement of the drawdown date. And so we're always racing against, you know, let's see if we can get as much as we can done while we have this level of forces, this level of resources. Mm -hmm. But certainly uh, the focus that shifted to Iraq very early uh, after actually taking down the Taliban and, and expelling al-Qaeda from Afghan soil meant that, in the words of Admiral uh, Mullen, a great chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, that in Iraq, we did what we must. In Afghanistan, we did what we could. Uh, and that characterized the Afghanistan campaign until the end of that uh, Obama administration policy review, which did enable us for the first time right. to get the input right, but which then also, of course, uh, announced the withdrawal process. And then almost to the day, a few weeks before 9-11, August 31st, cut 41. The United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan, the longest war in American history. We completed one of the biggest airlifts in history, with more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. As they evacuate and the Taliban take over, do you feel like you lost, or do you feel like you chose to give the Taliban back the country? Well, we were through, um, and it's I think we'll have to see whether we actually, quote, ended 20 years of war or if the endless war will continue. Uh, it's still not clear whether there will be some kind of civil war or some kind of insurgency against the Taliban. And only you know weeks, months, even years will tell. Uh, the Taliban face a very difficult task, and that is to govern this challenging country 
and they may discover that it's much easier to be an insurgent than it is to be running the government, especially if all yeah. of the country's assets around the world are frozen, they have no access to IMF or World Bank support, and the major donor nations that have traditionally uh, provided three-quarters of their budget, the U.S., Japan, and, and other countries, members of the coalition, uh, that they will have a very, very difficult time. And it's by no means clear that other countries uh, will make that up, that, say, for example, China or Pakistan or uh, Iran or Russia. So I think it's a very uncertain future. It's a little bit, again, like the opposition politician who's right. you know on the back bench and can criticize and you know lobby EDs at the party in power, but all of a sudden they're the party in power, and we're going to have to see how they actually do govern this country, whether it is a you know a government of reconciliation. Right. Certainly, the interim government that has been announced uh, is not. When you have the Minister of Interior. Is a leader of the Haqqani Network, which is an organization designated as a terrorist entity by the United States that doesn't fill you with great confidence. And beyond that, of course, we have to see what does the Islamic State do. Their ranks have been swollen by the prison breaks that the Taliban orchestrated as they made their way to Kabul. Uh, 2,000 strong now uh, in the Afghanistan and Pakistan region. They're the ones, of course, who carried out that horrific suicide right. bombing at the entry control point uh, to the airport in which 13 of our men and women in uniform and nearly 200 uh, innocent right. Afghan civilians were killed. So a very uncertain future uh, at best. So, General, you spend your free time studying war, studying great officers, studying military events, going back in history, uh, studying this, studying past, putting present, the world wars we fought, the ones we watched. And you have civilians who don't do any of that work because they have they don't have a specialization in war, make the ultimate decisions. It's got to be frustrating. But to bring you to 9-11 uh, that day as the families look and think about the lives lost and others think about how we've changed, can you honestly say today to those families, to Americans listening, that we are safer today than we were 20 years ago? Well, there certainly is no organization— uh, that has the capability and the sanctuary that al-Qaeda enjoyed uh, in which it planned the 9-11 attacks, again, on Afghan soil under the Taliban, and was able to carry those out. Um, and that sanctuary is gone. Al-Qaeda is a shadow of its former self, still dangerous. Uh, the threat has metastasized, uh, as the Biden administration has correctly uh, described it. But these are lots and lots of small extremist entities, all of which do need to be watched, all of which do need pressure. They need to be disrupted, degraded, and by and large, you know, with the exception of Afghanistan, we'll do it. You know, this will be an offshore, if you will, uh, campaign to keep an eye on them and pressure. Uh, generally, we have troops committed in locations, but very small numbers, but with drones, the potential for close air support. Uh, and intelligence fusion to help host nation partners in Iraq keep an eye on the Islamic State, in northeastern Syria keep an eye again on also on uh, the Islamic State. In, back in Somalia, the administration correctly moved back in there, having seen those troops removed by the previous administration. Very small number, but very important. Same all throughout Af uh, Africa, where there's a number of different Islamist extremist organizations, some are Al-Qaeda affiliates, yep. some Islamic State, some independent. 
So I, I think by and large that that situation together with the advances, the very significant advances that we have made uh, in the intelligence community, the law enforcement community and so forth, um, do indeed make it certainly very unlikely that an Islamist extremist organization uh, could carry out anything remotely like the 9-11 attacks. In fact, you know, what's the biggest measure of how we have done over the 20 years of war against Islamist extremists? It's that less 100 or so Americans in that entire time have been killed by attackers who were linked to Islamist causes. And most of them, by the gotcha. way, were homegrown. These are self-recruits who watch too many that, and that's videos on YouTube and that kind of thing. That still exists and is a concern uh, among the domestic extremist uh, uh, threats that we face. But I tend to think that the actions that we took over the past 20 years, not all of which yep. were, were ones that took more bad guys off the streets than they created, to be sure. We have had successes and also missteps, mistakes. Uh, we've had lessons learned the hard way in a right. number of cases. But by and large, I think we are in a better position relative mm -hmm. to Islamist extremists mm -hmm. now than we were, you know, the day before 9-11. General David Betrayas, thanks for your reflections. Thanks for you, what you did. And uh, we, we got to be, uh, hopefully I continue to talk to you as we uh, turn the corner on our next chapter. General David Betrayas, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.